0: Good evening, good evening, and welcome to another KG, Fifth Ward, Wildcat and Doc podcast. Two of the three of us are in the United States. The third member of the trio is not. Doc Avile, how are you and where are you? I'm doing well. I am in St. Kitts and Nevis, an island in
1: the Caribbean, not too far away from uh, Virgin Islands both the US and British Virgin Islands, as well as Puerto Rico.
0: And why are you there, sir?
1: I'm here taking students from Texas Southern University, both from the health science uh, department, as well as sport management students from the newly named Department of Health Kinesiology and Sports Studies. After we were officially approved by the Texas Southern University Board, uh essentially the Thursday before last so really excited about that I also got approved a uh, course where we've been able to do more of these study abroad courses where students can actually get credit towards their degree for other study abroad programming courses they can do one of them uh, for a one credit and then we can do it for extended time over the summer where students are able to earn three credits towards their degree. So really excited about that. But in this case, we're taking these students over from the College of Education College College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences uh, to explore the rich culture here in Saint Kitts and Nevis uh, looking at both health programs as well as sport sporting context programs. So uh, really excited about that. I was able to get out here a little early to make sure things were set up correctly and we have the other uh, professor coming and flying in with the students tomorrow and we'll be here essentially over eight days and then uh, they'll come back and hopefully have great stories to tell as they are responsible for writing a one-page synopsis report going along with the work that they do here in terms of emerging uh, with the um, officials also going and working with students health fair we'll do some recruiting as well where we'll put on our Texas Southern University recruiting shirts and go to work in terms of seeing if we can get the interest of locals that are considering um, higher education to consider Texas Southern University in the state of Texas.
0: And kudos for getting everything done and and accomplished and wish you well at continuing and expanding those uh, courses. Let's continue and and just piggyback and add on and jump right into the hbcu sports update and you got it yes sports updates uh, some
1: interesting things here the latest one is trey jefferson is officially stating uh through a text that he is leaving texas southern university many people are questioning whether he was coming back and uh, i guess if you listen to his twitter account where he announced quote i will not be returning to texas southern university my time in houston is up MIA100 is uh, his last tweet at 12.50 p.m. June the 23rd. So that's an update from Trey Jefferson himself. People know by now that obviously Coach, uh, his coach, head coach, has also left to take the University of Detroit Mercy job. So that may be one of the reasons that Trey Jefferson is not returning um, in in regards to looking at that, but there has not been an announcement on a successor uh, to lead the Texas Southern University Tigers uh, as Mike Davis, again, has left the stable. So we're looking to see uh, what goes on there. I can give you some updates um, that there has been uh, by VP of Union Collegiate Athletics, Dr. Charles McCullough. Uh, Working with the president as well as associate uh, athletic director, Kevin Granger, in terms of what direction they want to go with the new coach. Uh, Looking forward to see what goes on there. Looks like they're willing down to five, six candidates, and then they'll proceed from there to see how many they'd like to actually bring in. Which brings some others to uh, question, where are we with the commissioner? Um, announcement. It's my understanding that they have found their final candidate and they're negotiating with the final candidate. But at this point, they have not settled on negotiations. So I won't uh, bring out the news to say who that final candidate is at that time. I'll let that come out and do time as well. Some other news that's been out there, Kyle Quinn. many people know he plays with the New York, New York Knicks of the NBA. Uh, it looks like he opts out of his New York Knicks contract and he's looking to see where he will take his next uh, steps in the NBA. But he's also continuing to do work uh, for Norfolk State as he comes back over the summer and does several camps uh, for the local community and he chooses to do it with Norfolk State and the coach there, which gives them a great deal of marketing and branding, which is extremely important. Um, so that's something to, to talk about in terms of what's going on there. Uh, Alabama State will host South Carolina. Uh, Chris, you may have some interest in that, and that's on the women's side in Hoop. And so South Carolina uh, women will actually take a trip to Alabama in the Acadome. So that's big news.
0: Wow, it is. See,
1: um, a Power Five institution, in this case, a national champion uh, program actually come uh, to what many people refer to a mid-major or some people would even say low-major uh, program in terms of getting on the road. So kudos for Alabama State basketball program to get that done. Uh, so that's been pretty big in terms of what's going on there. HBCU Kings, Marvin Bagley and Harry Giles both have HBCU connections in terms of what's going on with the Sacramento Kings, people are excited. Uh, uh, talking about those connections because we always tell you just how big a piece of the pie is there. So that's uh, interesting when you think about it, when you uh, talk about, and this is cur- courtesy of Stephen gate at HBCUGaithDay.com where a lot of these reports are coming back there. For the second year in a row, Sacramento Kings picked a one-and-done player out of Duke in the first round of the NBA draft. The Kings selected Marvin Bagley, the third, second overall, Thursday night one year after selecting Harry Giles, the third 20th overall after one season in the court in Durham. Bagley, 6'11", big man that many people are looking at pretty strong academically. even looked at Ivy League schools before he decided to go to Duke. Hales from Tempe, Arizona. His father, father Marvin Bagley Jr., is from Durham. Durham, played receiver at North Carolina A&T in the mid-1990s under legendary coach Bill Hayes. A lot of people remember those days. Elder Caldwell went on to play in the Arena Football League with Arizona Cardinals. So give you a little update uh, as we uh, tease people with those type of connections, which is pretty cool. Uh, just when you think about it, another one was Giles, who also stands 6'11", big man coming out of North Carolina, uh, from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. His father, Harry Giles, played college football for Winston-Salem State in the mid-1980s, a couple of years before that, under guess who? Coach Bill Hayes was at Winston-Salem State before he took the job with the Aggies. So, uh, that was pretty cool to look at those connections. Also, should be noted, the guy also played basketball, Huge sports star, and he played under the legendary coach, Big House. I know Clarence Gaines, Big House Gaines, uh while at Winston-Salem State. So, that's pretty cool when you think about the connection with all these people um, going down. So, those are some of the HBCU highlights, both on the court and off the court uh, in terms of what's taking place there. Uh, and also uh, sports related to some people's thing, but I'll put out there HBCU fact, that's pretty cool. How a senior uh, becomes the first African-American to win Jiu Jitsu world title. And that is nothing other than Shane Jamil Hill Taylor uh, talks about Howard University, the Mecca, as many people refer to it, as he wins a world championship. Uh, in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation World Championship Games. Um, so that was pretty cool. I thought and would like to kind of share that with a lot of people. One uh, thing may be scared to some HBCU programs, and this kind of goes on, but uh, it seems like it, it continues to shape the landscape. Jackson State has some defensive linemen leaving to actually walk on, so leaving a scholarship to be a preferred walk-on at places like Kentucky. And so um, we'll see if this continues. Obviously, uh, those Jackson State fans were frustrated to hear that because you can't get enough linemen. It's interesting that you would leave a scholarship with a preferred walk on, but who knows what is promised to them. And hopefully, a certain work works out for them. But that's one of the things that we continue to see kind of take place over the years. And so it looks like that may be less of a trend and, and something on the horizon to see what talks about what's going on there. Final thing is Morehouse, uh, basketball player, gets a uh, chance to see if he can earn a spot on the Knicks roster as he gets a summer league invite. Pretty exciting there. for uh, S I A T player of the year, Tyrus Walker, uh, lands in the Big Apple. Uh, Morehouse scored. Uh, played really well, obviously, when you're played player where you can talk about just how talented you are. He was a 6'2 guard um, from Atlanta, and in his season, senior season, he averaged 23 points per game and led Morehouse to a 25-3 a top 10 final Division II ranking as well as an uh, NCAA Division II tournament appearance uh, as he got it done of winning the SIHC regular season championship in the division and then getting the tournament championship. So that's, that's pretty cool when you talk about uh, what's going on uh, with this young man and his opportunity, that's pretty much on HBCU front for the uh, most part. Uh, just want to share people out there that uh, even though we're in the summer, and some people talk about the dog days. A lot of HBCU love going on out there in terms of HBCU sports. Dot people patiently waiting and really what people are waiting on to see who's going to be the new basketball coach at uh, Texas Southern University, obviously. Prairie and looking for a new VP of intercollegiate athletics and, and we're looking for a commissioner in terms to see what goes on that and to see if that continues the cycle of HBC's people moving around. Pretty exciting time.
0: It, it is indeed and, and I've uh, been contacted by some folks interested in the TSU job so we'll see if, if they get uh, any looks for interviews for the job so, Very hot
1: job out there. A lot of people trying to get their hands in the cookie jar. Some of them have some big-time experience at both, obviously, the college level, you would expect that, but even some people from the professional level have some interest of trying to see if they uh, uh, would have an interest in them. And then you have your other individuals that are trying to get back in the game. Some of them uh, had college experience but now coaching on the high school level. Think they have sent um, resumes in and, and seeing if, uh, if they could pique the interest of those that are looking to see what direction they want to go uh, with the
0: basketball hire. The yeah, T S U excuse me, the T S U job is, is very in demand, and, and some of the names probably surprise some people. There have been names tossed out in an interview one of our colleagues Jim Hicks did with H B C U game day about two weeks ago. But there are other names that Hicks did mention that doc you and i have, have heard and spoken to you as well so trust us listeners there are folks out there and, and you know i have preference of a way i like to see them go on the higher, more substance over over style or sizzle but i'm not making the hire so we'll see how it goes hopefully within the next week or two names get narrowed down and get to, to uh make a decision because it's time to put team together if you touched on yeah you're right
1: it's getting closer to time you don't want to get too far away from these, uh, where you really don't have any kids that haven't been signed, so you really would have some trouble. I do want to drop a dime, a couple of more things at HBCU front. Want to make sure that um, judicial and make sure I'm fair to the women of the HBCU landscape. Got a couple of announcements here, so I'll give these final one if you would, uh, right here in the SWAT, You have Southern University names Carlos Bunches uh, to head women's basketball uh, head coaching position. So obviously. He's excited about that long-term assistant finally getting his chance to get it done uh, in that framework. Bethune-Cookman's Lindsay Edwards was named 2018 Woman of the Year. Uh, so that was uh, big news in terms of that announcement. And Tuskegee names Lane Powell, new women's basketball coach uh, for the basketball team recently. And then finally you have the intriguing announcement here probably won't rattle the doors too much but it is certainly uh, news of the day UAP UAB I should say that's the University of Alabama Birmingham as many people know it mama joined the MIAC in women's bowling uh MEAC has won a couple of national championships with UMass so it's a highly regarded uh, bowling uh, conference in terms of what they have out of there but this uh Nobody kind of realized this was coming, but it's interesting in terms of uh, UAB. that I've heard had some national-type ranking teams playing as independents, independent, so they're looking at conference affiliation. They get it done along with Mama to join the MEAC. Also, one bit back uh, on the coaching head side of this, and football for the men's is Grandma Strait and Broderick Foggs reach a contract extension. What was one of the interesting things about this contract extension and not that it's interesting because we see this outside of HBCUs quite a bit. And you're starting to see it even more so with HBCUs. You saw this with Coach Willie Simmons with his package deal as he went over to FAMU that the foundation or the Bruce booster group uh, has kicked in a significant amount of the bonus money. And in this case, Fobbs was entering the last year of a two-year contract extension. He signed in 2016 and with this new deal. He will earn a base salary of 198 and includes additional 121000 from the Grammar State Foundation. So uh, he also has the ability to ratchet that up, as they say, for potential bonuses uh, meeting certain criteria uh, with 15 and $25,000 bumps, uh, 10000 for different things such as uh, academic progress rate, APR, as you know, it. a Black College National Championship is worth quite a bit. Celebration Bowl victory provides a bonus stipend of 25 if you can get it done. SWAC title gives you 10. As uh, many people I discussed a couple weeks ago, it hasn't formally been announced, but it is a done deal that they will continue to play a SWAC football championship this year before they allow the new commissioner to decide whether they want to go forward with the SWAC football championship game. The only difference this year is instead of playing at a whole city, is the fact that they will actually play at the team with the best regular season play at their home uh, field, and you've seen that in the American and a couple of other conferences like the MAC, instead of playing at a uh, a pre-described location that they play at the team with the best percentage homecoming. So that's that's not late. Like, I have had some uh, updates uh, that uh, there's some places that are interesting in hosting the SWAC football championship game. One of those cities happens to be Houston. And so it'll be interesting. It looks as they're trying to get back in the business and throwing um, their hat in the ring with a quote-unquote, much better deal than the back time. It looks as Birmingham has some interest in it. And then there's some teams that also looking at hosting the basketball tournament that I believe will, um, uh, is looking at locations. So it'll be interesting to see what is going to take place uh, in terms of that announcement. And we might hear something coming uh, in, in the not-too-distant future probably won't hear nothing until the winter leaves in regards to those destinations. Uh, but that, that will kind of do it with the HBCU news of the day of uh, what's going on in the HBCU
0: game front. Appreciate that, Doc. And as you mentioned about Trey Jefferson, uh, Mark Berman of Houston Fox 26 Sports got a quote from Trey and uh, tweeted it out as well. And, and Trey said that he wasn't, quote, I wasn't granted my scholarship back. I was only coming back if Davis was coming back and then more details it wasn't really my decision. If Coach Davis was leaving, Trey was leaving, it was more like Trey was Coach Davis' responsibility. I've been here before, it's business. I understand the game of basketball. I don't have any bad feelings toward Texas Southern. That's my school. They made me, just all that I accomplished there, all the people I made happy, just the chance and the opportunity they gave me, put some smiles on a lot of alumni and the kids' faces, And then Trey had a tweet. Also, this is important that some folks may or may not have known during the last season. Trey said in the tweet, due to me losing my daddy a few months back during basketball season and not being able to make the funeral, I just want to be closer to home now that my granddad is getting older and getting even more sick. So, during the season that Trey's father was killed and um, that wasn't, you know, national news in some circles, but so clearly that had an impact on Trey during the season, toward the middle of the season. So they had an impact on him. And now he says his grandfather is sick. So that may lean, have Trey lean back to what school he does transfer to to be close to his grandfather. So we wish him the best of luck whatever he decides to do uh, going Certainly.
1: forward. Certainly man a lot of success moving forward and continue to try to keep the high road like he did in that statement. Kudos for him doing that. And hopefully things work out. You know, it's certainly impactful when you lose your father, particularly with the tragic circumstance that took place. Uh, and with all the variables in his background, uh, it's good to hear that um, he's looking forward to try to be uh, in a position to continue to move his life forward. So that's good.
0: And we're going to continue basketball, and then we're going to end the podcast with Wildcat, give an update about baseball in uh, the right styles but uh, basketball college for a second houston cougars senior graduate now rob gray will be in the Rockets uh summer league he was uh, added to the training camp summer league roster excuse me summer league roster uh, i think saturday was a chance to do well and then earn a spot in the uh pre- the pre-season roster good luck to him Rockets' NBA draft was Thursday. Rockets acquired two picks in the draft in the second round. With the 46th pick, they drafted 6'4 guard De'Anthony Melson, and then made a trade with Utah with the 52nd pick for cash considerations to get 6'8 forward from Purdue, Vincent Edwards. Both of those two young men were spoke with the media on Friday afternoon and have commented with them Ed and Daryl Morey on my YouTube channel, Houston Round Bar Review, as well as clips on the Instagram Instagram channel of Houston Round Bar Review. You go to the website as well. Go to the blogs, the men's hoops blog, HoustonRoundBarReview.com. and check out the men's hoops. Kudos to everybody who's uh, following me, becoming followers on YouTube and Instagram. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the follows. We're going to keep doing that. Uh, the summer as often as possible, and of course during the season, as the Rockets continue with another try try to make another push to get a championship we're just days away from the summer of LeBron and we'll see if the Rockets get a legit shot to trade for LeBron or LeBron comes here and all the rumors back and forth a few days ago folks said, that one person said that Chris Paul doesn't like Chris Paul or his people don't like the Rockets, don't like Houston and then Chris Paul buys another house in Houston. So that kind of makes you wonder about that person's sources on that negative blast <laughs> about, the, about Chris Paul and how he feels toward Houston. Uh, you know, Just be careful of your sources of your information. You know, who, who, who tosses out what? And then go to the folks that you can trust and go to those folks that you know have accurate information. So, and if I don't know, I'm gonna find out from somebody else who, who does know more than I do. Because I don't know everything I admit that first and foremost, but I do know folks who know more than I do. And I, I lean on those folks for in information. So just go with that. But the Rockets, young man they got Rockets gotta get younger. And these two draft picks, Daryl Moore mentioned, and it could be some general manager's talk, you know, after every draft, everybody believes that they made the right pick and got better in the draft. But, That's right. But um, Daryl Morey stated to us Thursday and Friday, because Thursday night was after the draft. We were there till like twelve, twelve thirty. Uh, once we finally left, when Darryl spoke to us around eleven thirty for the press conference, that he and the staff believe that Melton and Edwards aren't that far away from being contributors to the Rockets. So, and the Anthony Melton is twenty years old. He didn't play this past season. He would have been a he was a sophomore at USC. But he was involved in the federal investigation of the money let's just say like that the money so he did Mm -hmm. not get a chance to play this year even though he was still with the team and was able to dress for games a few times this season but the ncaa never cleared him to play in games this season so february 21st he said he declared for the draft because he didn't believe he'd get a chance to play college ball so he decided to To toss his name in for the draft and more than one person was surprised that he was around and fell to the Rockets at 46. Many folks believe he has talent to be to have been a first round selection so Maury stated that the Rockets had him much higher on their draft board and was surprised and happy to get him at 46. So we'll see how he he uh, handles himself in the summer league and if he as makes a way or you know he could be a trade asset in a possible deal for the rockets to get better so anything is possible but he does have talent we'll see if his talent is here with the rockets and see if he can help the rockets going forward this season and into the future so i'm going to shift gears one more time before we get to walk walk get ready this comment next next thing come kind of ties in to you because i think you'll be there with me monday afternoon the u of h cougars are having a press conference, well really it's it's a media tour of Fertitta Center Right. that was was the initial announcement to us that it would be a touring of the Fertitta Center I was there, had an earlier a few, oh two months ago I guess it was during the season that uh, media had one opportunity to tour the facility and tomorrow we'll get a an update to see how things are going. Then, I think Friday, we were notified that AD Chris Pesman will be at this tour, and he has an announcement to make. Oh, okay. Don't, listen, don't listen. know what that announcement is, but Doc... Let's add something to this. Oh, yeah, yes, I but like Doc, this. I want to... I have no idea. I have some possibilities what I think he's going to say. Right. I don't know, but... I would be, I would like to pat myself on the back if the announcement has is similar to what you and I, Doc, discussed in previous podcast, and that he is going, Pesman is going to announce something pertaining to the non-conference schedule. All right. And if that is the case, that is a good thing for U of H to, as we stated, ride this wave of momentum ride this wave of positivity that the basketball program accomplished last season and has going forward to the upcoming season. So if that is it, that is a great thing going forward. So we'll see what, what happens. And of course, listeners, you can follow me. As I mentioned, follow me on Twitter at VHR review, my Instagram, Houston Roundball review, YouTube, follow me tomorrow, follow me Monday and see what the announcement is. and, if it is pertaining to non-conference schedule, and if it is what I think it is, fans, you're gonna be pleased. You'll be pleasantly surprised at what Pez says, if that is what it is. It could be something completely different. It could be something about when they he gives a date about the opening of Fertitta Center. It may be different than what we thought weeks ago. I'm, I don't know what it is, but if it is about the non-conference schedule, that is very good news, I had someone tweet a few days ago, asking if I have heard anything about the non-conference schedule, because you've seen other schools across the country have announced their non-conference schedule, and fans, Google fans are wondering, what about U, U of H? Where, who are we playing non-conference? Why are the other teams announcing stuff, and we haven't announced anything. And my contracts still being finalized, you know, gotta dot those I's and cross those T's and waiting for contracts from the opponents to be sent in, signed, sealed, and delivered. So. Maybe Monday, everything has been the eyes have been dotted and teeth have been crossed, and that's what Pezman is going to announce, so that's good. So That's what we're going to see there. We'll go with that. Wildcat, you are the Rice Owl Hootie who person. You were at the, the press conference announcement of the new baseball coach. You got it. What did you see? What were your thoughts on the new coach? And do you think he will be able to restore the, the, the uh, glory of Right, South baseball, now the U of baseball is best team in the city.
2: <clears throat> well, I said that. You didn't have a comment on that? Yeah, I got a
0: comment
2: on that, and I'm gonna say this because start off because I said it then at the other day, and I'm sticking with it. And so, folks, have backed me up on it, they kind of like bowed their head and walked, turned, and walked away. Three coaches have come and gone, over on Cullen Street had made it had hadn't made it to Omaha. And the two times they had a chance. Brandon Nova was in charge, but you uh, but HISD was standing in the dugout across the way, and had pitchers, had batters, and
0: stopped. It. Who's, the, Until who's they, the best college team in base in, in the city of Houston right now? Right well, now? right now, right Houston, now, Houston. York, Houston as, oh, right. as of as of today, uh huh. It's U of H. Okay, then that's all. I, so we're talking about we ain't talking about the past. Talking about right now, as of today, who's the best college baseball? I I, I, I like, made that statement for like a reason. A little,
2: and, little then, and then I can say, tissue "Baseball like. as well." Yeah. As, as, as I as I say that, I'm throwing shade to it like this. Yes. At some point, you gotta get to Omaha. And if you if if, if I'm reading correctly, the new athletic director that you got at some point, that finger gonna be in somebody's chest. Because the guy that Rice hired, Matt Braga, from Tennessee Tech, I've gotten some word from some folks that I trust that were at Omaha this uh, this past week and watched him up at at Texas in the uh, Super Regionals. So that's a guy that 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 we won't have to wait long to find out where Rice baseball is headed. Matt Braga, (laughs) uh, formerly of Tennessee Tech, is now the new head baseball coach at Rice University. He's the 21st head coach in baseball history and he spent 19 years and he has 19 years in head coaching experience. He spent the last 15 at Tennessee Tech. He had this particular season, he had 53 wins. The other th- that he it took the team to their first Super Regionals, he yeah, had pop,
1: eight pass- uh, so they went with who's
2: hot. Well, it was some folks that were in the some some irrelevant people that was in the that that were in the hunt, and some folks that were relevant that were in the hunt, mm. and they chose to stay where they were. Uh, and he was the one that accepted when he got the phone call. He accepted the responsibility and said, "Yep, I'll take the chance. I'm interested. Got
0: it." question for and that's Bilo, what all, y'all what, what, and that's what it all brought down to what conference did Tennessee Tech play baseball I don't know what I'm asking
2: and it, okay in the Ohio Valley, okay, that's what oh, I Ohio
0: Valley.
2: Okay. okay yeah the Ohio Valley he had the uh, pitcher and player of the year on, uh, on this year's Tennessee Tech team he had 11 guys to make all conference but he also had uh, five guys to make all American he had eight guys drafted and this last draft, and he tied for the fifth, which tied for the fifth most in the country. The other thing that he was capable of doing, besides winning championships at the OVC, was his team in the last ten years had the highest overall winning percentage in Ohio Valley. Coach, uh, he, he had awesome. a historic year for Tennessee Tech.
1: Right?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, he yeah. As I say, it, it all kind of like fell into place for him this year. His team also this year ranked in the top 10 across the board in, uh, in scoring. Let's see. I'm trying to – they didn't post it all uh, on the uh, on the notes and all. But uh, I know it was in hitting, uh, RPI, and on-base percentage. Right now, everybody's all happy. But fellas, till they get out on the field – that's when we'll find out.
0: Wildcat, right now. wildcat did, did he say during the press conference, I, I assume he was asked this question. He may have mentioned it on his own. How did he describe his managerial philosophy? How, what does he like to do in baseball? Uh he
2: he didn't get in specifics, but what he basically said was I want workers. He want I, I want I'm looking for guys and all I want. Uh, I'm, he's talked to every well. He did. Uh, let me restart here, start here. He had, he has already talked to every guy on the team on an individual basis. That's here in town. That's not in a uh, summer league, college summer league somewhere, and basically told the guys you know what he was all about, uh, what he's looking for, and whether you know. For, Everybody's on that even kill. They're at point zero, and now it's moving forward. But he did talk about how he was looking forward to watching these guys work, how they prepare themselves out on the field and in the classroom. He understands where he's at as uh, he's at an institution of higher learning, you know, classwork. You know, Rice is one of those schools. You got to get it done in the classroom. So that means that. So I asked him a question about recruiting, and he uh, he mentioned that uh, he's going. He's in the process now of getting to know the coaches here in the area, here in the state. Uh, but he did also mention it getting this Rice job has opened his recruiting base uh, across the country. He knows he's going to be going back to the areas that he's familiar with, but he will be putting a staff together that's very familiar with this region—Texas, Louisiana, uh, in particular. Uh, he also mentioned the state of California, and doctors. You and I both know a lot of coaches from this area, from the, from this state, are going out to that West Coast, getting kids because of the, the uh, youth programs and all that they've got that are preparing these guys for the next level. That's right. So when he said that, that gave me hope right then and it says, okay, he's not closed minded. And he's gonna mm-hmm. open up his eyes and all to what he's got to see. But the other thing that I was very happy about, he and Coach Graham spent and Coach Graham's wife they and his wife they spent Wednesday all day over at Reckling. You know, he introduced he walked him around the campus. He uh, walked around the facility and all, and, entered, and they kind—they of, did a lot of talking, and apparently, as far as I know, everything went well. And he said he's gonna be ta- giving him a call on a regular basis, uh, as much as he can, to pick his brain about a lot of things, especially about this conference. You know, he's everybody talks about the uh, Conference USA and what they had to offer, but he knows at the end of the day. It's about getting to Omaha and winning championships. And that's what he's looking to do.
0: Excellent, Matt, fellas, that awesome. was it. Good, uh, and, yeah. and walk. Give you a breakdown
1: of what he did in the uh, regional, and super regional. Because I know some people are saying Tennessee Tech, Ohio Valley Conference. How do you do yeah. that? He beat. He beat the number twenty-two Missouri State six-four. He loses uh, in the second game. As you know, you, you try to get through the regional uh, playing a gauntlet of games. Uh, and so he loses, and it's double elimination in that regional. So he loses that second game after winning the first one to uh, the University of Mississippi, who was ranked number two. And uh, they were hosting it. They lose a tight one there, 9-8. They bounce back and beat number 22 Missouri State again. So now in they they in that survive mode, and they actually in a regional championship game, essentially. And so they pound University of Mississippi uh, number two, 15-5, and then they win a thriller 3-2 a victory over the University of Mississippi, which sends them uh, to number five, Austin. They get off to a great start on Saturday and provide a upset of sorts, if you would, in that first game of the Super Regional, which is the best two out of three series. They win the first one, 5-4. They lose a tight one in the second matchup, 4-2, to Texas there in Austin. And then they lose the final one, another close matchup, relatively 5-2, in terms of not being able to really get the magic to go all the way to um, Omaha, which many people realize that they're playing for a championship. Mississippi State uh, are playing for a championship against Oregon. I guess starting on Monday on ESPN, just kind of round that out. But I uh, was pretty impressed with what they did there. They have a victory over Tennessee in the SEC uh, Wednesday night day game during the regular se- season, 7-6. Give you some highlights on some uh, games that get done there. Also have uh, two victories over West Virginia, um, a Tuesday-Wednesday uh, uh, game on the road where they won the first one 8-0 and then pound them again the second day 9-1. And make sure people see it as not much of a joke to give you some uh those what we would receive of the power five conference victory if they had the regular season oh uh, pretty tight there another one I, I guess i need to throw out the sec they go on the road and defeat uh, vanderbilt 6-4 during a weekend contest uh, so he had his chance and they truly had a magical season and uh, it elevated him to a chance to go to rice which is a very solid program after historically Brown was able to do, ultimately win in a national championship. So this is a program with a lot of expectations. So it'll be interesting, as you pointedly put out there, uh, in regards to doing what he has to do in terms of going back to his old recruiting grounds, which is nice because now you have somebody that can obviously recruit in those areas and get a lot of things done. Can he get over to California and get and pluck a couple of talents down there? But he has to find a way to do it at home in the state of Texas. And you do this mindfully with a lot of the baseball programs taking that next step. You have Dallas Baptist that goes to uh, NCAA tournaments. Obviously, right. TCU is revitalizing that program in the Fort Worth area up there. Texas Tech obviously made it to College World Series, so it's on the uprise. Texas Longhorns look like they are a year ahead of the curve that they wanted to do to try to rebuild that program as another program out of the Big Twelve that gets to a College World Series. They were two in barbecue. Uh, Chris will like to hear that. Uh, Then, (laughs) as you say, right? Then you have Texas A and M, part of the SEC, that gets into the tournament uh, in regards to uh, showing you just how much talent is in that area. Obviously, Texas Southern, in terms of SWAC baseball, continues to push forward in terms of what they want to ultimately make that program about. And then, obviously, right there in your backyard, University of Houston is not taking a back seat to anybody. in the city of Houston, in terms of top 25, they had a nice regional matchup where uh, they pushed some teams really, uh, really tough in the NCAA tournament. So they're pushing forward. So I think it was going to be fascinating to see, obviously, the way you play high school baseball in the state of Texas, a lot of talent out there, but you're recruiting against a lot of different caliber teams with a lot of different conferences. And you're also taught about a sport where you only give 11.7 scholarships, which makes the competition very hot because you can't just give full scholarships and load the deck, if you would, in a lot of ways advantages you have at rice you can have some very solid students that want to go over there for the academic reputation, and so that's a plus but at the same time the academic requirements can also be uh, tough in terms of recruiting for kids that yeah. may not quite be able to get to the level so i just think from the paradigm of baseball uh particularly at the college level there's a lot of factors that make this higher interesting to me just to see uh, honestly to see if you can get it done so i'll be out there just kind of putting my nose over there and leaning on you for some information to see uh, from your expert, as you said, Mr. Rice Owl, Mr. Hootie Hoo, as Chris talks about perfectly. Um, we'll be leaning on you to see what this looks like.
2: Well, this, I, there are five folks that I trust in baseball. Uh, and they are they're connected nationally. But And they, uh, they basically, I basically leaned on them to find out know where the list was who was out there and who was interested um, and I always, I basically asked I let who would everybody's gonna ask for that job everybody's gonna apply for it but who's what's gonna be the best fit for the program moving forward mm-hmm. and right now uh the name that came up was uh Matt Braga but also you still got to go through the interview process and you never know on the committee what they're looking for until they make an announcement. Because we done all watched it. We done all watched it. So I'm looking forward to next season. I'm looking forward to it. it, It'll be different going out there and not seeing that uh, HISD guy. And the reason I say that is because Coach Graham is an HISD uh, kid. Uh, He went to uh, Sherman El- Elementary, uh, Reagan High School. Uh, then he coached in HISD for years. He's basically the reason why HISD still has a uh, well-developed a H- I, uh, baseball pro- uh, program, and still has one to this day. Great point. And you got to just give him his credit. You know, he he, he did what uh, most folks people said he could thought do. It
1: was the impossible. Yeah. You're
2: right. yep. He left and went to uh, San Jack, from San Jack over to Rice. And this was the funny part because, ironically, when Matt Brogdon got his job at Tennessee Tech, he basically faced the same situation. Alumni and some friends of the program and folks, the faculty members and all, they were when they made the big announcement, he mentioned about winning championships and getting to Omaha. And folks kind of looked at him with a look like, okay you know kind of like snickering and mumbling in the back same thing happened with Coach Brown when he got the job at Rice the people was laughing and kind of snickering in the back and when it finally happened they weren't laughing anymore <laughs> you know so and now you have Regland Park you got a a, a real basketball cage, uh, a baseball uh, uh, batting cage and you also have the roost uh all these were provided during the Wayne Graham era at Rice. It was a good run. Uh, things changed; that the the landscape changed across the country as far as the, in baseball. Period. The only thing that stayed the same, and as you just reiterated, the 11-and-a-half scholarships. I don't know how they get around it. How do you know what needs to be done to make it to change that to add at least. I said four more scholarships, but, Doc, you and I ain't in charge, and we can't make that move.
1: Well, I think you uh, bring up a great question, and I was doing some reading. Now, this is old news when I I read it. I thought it was fascinating that the coaches, as I thought they should, have pushed for more scholarships over the years. Obviously, there's a financial component of this, but many of the presidents were – telling them that they needed to do a better job of getting the APR scores up. Well, obviously, these programs of winning, have found a way to get that done in terms of APR. Uh, so it would be interesting to see if they revisit it. But I did read a recent study uh, that I thought was fascinating. It went back uh, to when um, South Carolina, if you would, won a national champion, championship in baseball a couple of years ago, and they asked the question, you know, how much money well, let's bring to south carolina and they were talking about there's no money in terms of the baseball itself and espn does a great job chris may even say they do better job in terms of promoting baseball in terms of what they put on the espn platform and they do for the wnba and, and and certainly for women's college basketball whole other discussion but just to give you some framework in terms of what they do but baseball is packaged uh, as part of the other 22 plus sports, the ESPN and the NCAA have negotiated, negotiated to give them the rights to the baseball championship game. So they paid some multi-million dollar deal, which breaks down to about 22 million dollars for baseball or something like that. Mm-hmm. So essentially, the money is paid for hosting the tournament. So there's not a lot of money where you do it basketball where you get the credits associated with it. Okay. be to see, uh, if the baseball coaches somehow tie the scholarship associated with baseball to them trying to jo- join baseball into a revenue-producing sport. And when I say revenue-producing sport, it's important for our listeners, as we like to break down oftentimes the business component of sports, is we're purely talking about television money associated with um, the money because though many of the baseball programs in those Power Five conferences throughout the SEC and ACC, and to some degree the Big 12, but um, specifically the SEC, have been able to draw attendance numbers over a three game set. I do want people to understand that in baseball, you're talking about playing three game sets. And you just saw the case where this team had 50-plus wins. So you have baseball programs playing nearly some 50-some, 55, over 60-some games. And if you're in programs like the SEC, ACC, uh, Big 12, you play a lot of those games at home. So in some places, you have a attendance number for the total attendance of baseball games equaling or even higher than the total attendance of basketball games within those same conference, SEC. ACC, um, obviously, Big 12, and I'm t- I'm getting away from the outliers. I'm talking away from North Carolina and Kentucky, which are uh, blue bloods, but outside of that, in terms of basketball baseball, so they're making revenue in terms of their home games and at the gates in terms of attendance, but they haven't been able to turn college baseball into the bonanza you see with college basketball. So that's fascinating to me for people to understand the financial st- a system that takes place good bad or indifferent and obviously many people know my feelings on that and again that's for further discussion later but I did want to give you a framework in terms of what it looks like baseball and the financial money that's tied to some degree to me that will be tied to scholarships I think it works out for programs such as Rice, you of a particular program more so with Texas Southern to use because the bigger programs cannot just siphon off more talent in terms of scholarship So again, it becomes more competitive which gets me back to the final analysis as you talked about. It'll be interesting to watch because recruiting in college baseball is really tough uh, in terms of the competitiveness of a lot of these programs because you just can't be the bigger programs and show your facility and just give a kid a full ride. You still have to break it up. So it, it gives more competition, provides for more competition, I should
0: say. And on that yep. note, we're going to wrap it up. So, gentlemen, oh, right. well, go ahead.
1: Well, one thing before you wrap, wrap it up real quick is I, we'd be remiss if we didn't throw in the World Cup 2018. Uh, this is currently with NBC Sports. Exactly. NBC Edwards. 2014 is still alive. Some of them have uh, advanced in terms of making uh, this next round, which would be the uh, knockout stage of the 16 teams. But uh, some of the teams are playing well, surprising to some of you is Russia. Uh, obviously, they're their home team. Portugal and Spain continue to play pretty well. France, uh, Denmark, surprising some people. Uh, but some of the surprises of some teams out there for a lot of people is Argentina. They may not make it to the knockout stage. They have to have a big game. They're still in the hunt. But they're minus three on the goal differential. Uh, and uh, they are uh, set up. Uh, the uh,
0: they have against to win North by
1: three. a lot. Yeah, and they have to win, and they have to win big to find a way to get in there. And they need some other ways to help them in terms of some teams winning uh, that. So that's one team. Brazil got a brilliant extra-minute score that allowed them to put themselves in a little more of a comfort zone. But they're still in the tough race there with just four points. Uh, tied with Switzerland in terms of division, but Serbia with three points. And if they didn't get that point, they would have been sitting at two and been desperate for a win. So it was interesting you've seen you know, on a lot of Brazilian faces uh, after that goal into the locker room and some relief. And we'll see if they play some better because a lot of people have Brazil uh, as one of the teams to win uh, the game. So that's interesting. Germany has not played. The team that has won uh, the last championship has not played as well. Obviously, they had an early loss to Mexico, uh, a neighbor down uh, next to us. Particularly with all this stuff going on in the United States, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, you can see a lot of excitement for the Mexico uh, national team. Points, and they're leading the pack to six, uh, but they haven't secured. A advancement so they still have a little more work to do but they're playing some really good soccer right now another surprise out there is england some people uh, for england fans are excited some of them are like not so fast and uh, they don't want to jinx the team they've got six points with two big victories in their first two games scoring a bunch of points which you don't necessarily with england but they're playing very good the belgian team that is tied with them with six points actually is playing very well. So that'll be an interesting matchup between England and Belgium. And will they play a game? Because basically both teams automatically advance. So people are interested to see how much will these two teams show against each other. So those are some things you're talking about. You know me as an African nation, the team that I'm kind of watching now that has really done well is Senegal with four points. They got an early victory and got a tie. Um, so they're in the hunt with J- Japan and Colombia. Uh, Tied with Japan with four points as they go into their last matchup where they played Colombia, just has three points. So that's a big matchup there. Give you some updates of what's taking place in the World Cup. Uh, And obviously, being over here in uh, St. Kitts and Nevis, a lot of folks are excited about the soccer. So I thought I would do some justice to the sport and talk about the World Cup.
0: Yeah, real quick. I'm I'm happy. Hold on. I'm happy. Real quick, okay. Uh, I saw it earlier and I pulled it up on Twitter ESPN stats and info Twitter account. 16s have clinched to advance it around a 16, and those are Belgium, Croatia, England, France, Russia, and Uruguay. And eight have already been knocked out Costa Rica, Egypt, Morocco, Panama, Peru, Poland, Saudi Arabia, and Tunisia. So Ten more spots to go. Eighteen teams for 10, 10 spots, and of course the yep. USA never didn't even qualify. And you, what was I didn't see the final score of for today's match between England and Panama, but I saw the halftime. It was five five nil, England. So to, just to see Panama in the World Cup get plastered, they made it and USA didn't. That just that's just the state of men's soccer in the United States
1: and the Conca Cap. Outside
2: of
0: Mexico That's that's so sad Go ahead Wildcat
2: Dude (laughs) The sad part about that is Not only do you get knocked out And you don't get a chance to go You're in a co-op You're in a co-op situation Of getting Of hosting Was it 26? 2026? Yep And Either you did it out of need or you didn't feel like you was capable of doing it on your own you know it's, well it's, that's a great point is
1: you know the last time they did it a couple of years ago they put up a very strong bid in there i was basically out of the group out of chicago and right. they were denied. and the thing that you have to keep in mind for is sometimes we get biased with the us and facilities and all those things are great but soccer is brilliant from the standpoint is that they want to make sure that they keep the game the world game uh, if you would, in the
2: oh, world
1: okay. the toys, okay. So they do a good job of really trying to make sure they spread uh, the game around uh, the world. And so that's why it was not a far-gone con- conclusion that they would get over Mar- Morocco. And obviously there's some questioning in terms about the next tournament uh, and, and, and financially in that stake, and, and there's some of that going on. But a large part of this is making sure that everybody around the world gets a piece of this cup. So I do not believe it was so much that the U.S. thought that they needed the help from Canada and Mexico. I think they looked at it as being more strategic and that they could provide uh, FIFA with a better argument saying that the U.S. is coming with this trilogy, if you would, with Canada and Mexico partnering along with the US, obviously, uh, uh, to to have it as a better selling job. They will get most of the games in a lot of ways in the US, uh, just from the way that it's set up. And so it's a win there, but I think they just saw it as a better argument. But I think your point and your question is valid, and that's why I wanted to kind of share that. Well, my last
2: piece, I've gotten a uh, confirmation on two football media days. Uh, The American uh, for Newport, Rhode Island, scheduled for the July 23rd and 24th next month, and Conference USA, uh, July the 18th, 19th, uh, in Frisco, Texas, at the uh, Ford Ford Center at the Star.
1: Great point. And with that, uh, SWACS Football Media Day is July 29th, and the MEAX Media Day is 14 days from that. So that's the 27th, and I'll be at, I'm scheduled to be at both to be able to give you some updates there as well.
2: Okay.
0: All right. All right. Wrap it up. How can folks find you on the internet, ah.
1: Yes, you can find me at D. Uh, uh, excuse me. You can find me on the social media platforms. That is Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Dr. Kenyatta Cavil. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. We've updated the uh, Internet site for the Heritage Group. So you can go to theheritagegroupagency.com and check us out there where we uh, have information and particularly we'll get some updates going there as we get into the football mode. And you can catch us on our show every Tuesday, 545 to 715 uh, as we do our Dr. Bill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. As you see me here, we'll try to get in there and, and give everybody the surprise as we we'll look to do a FaceTime uh, where I'm doing part of the show still over here as we're in St. Kitts and Nevis. So they'll be in the studio, so we'll have it one way or the other, but I'll try to chime in through uh, FaceTime as you can follow us. Uh, you'll be able to watch them in the studio live at dot tvcom But you want to see me in the background, I might try to do it in the sand with my feet in the water, so it might be interesting. So <laughs> in it check that out and see if I can do a little magic for everybody. All
2: right. All right, Doc. Don't let us see it. See you on the news. <laughs> Don't let us see you on the news. Well, they lost another one today. Shark came up and said, hey. Some feet was in the water. <laughs> Wildcat,
0: well, I can folks find you.
2: Okay, you can find me online at uh, Twitter, TweetDeck, Facebook at J L Woodley one Jerry L. Whitley Jr. on YouTube, uh, SoundCloud, BloggerBlogspot, and aksv DCSR, the college sports report.
0: And I am KG Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review. I, f- I forgot to mention one thing. A few days ago, uh, U of 8 Athletics announced a uh, 3D seating chart, seating map for uh, other Fertitta Center for fans of seating ticket holders, people interested in buying tickets, to look at the map, utilize the map, and see where uh, how the seat would look if they, whenever they purchase a ticket. You can go to my men's who's blog and, and click on that and, and view that. A, there's a link to the 3D view that you can go to, that, that particular website, and check that out for yourself. So U of H is trying to do different things, and apparently it was similar to what they used f- for the opening of the TD ECU football stadium. So doing this for, yeah. for the Fertitta Center for basketball, so you can check that out as well. So do that. And uh, once again, I'm KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. HoustonRoundBallReview.com Houston Round Ball Review on YouTube and Instagram. Twitter is just a little bit different. VHR Review. Our podcasts are now on Stitcher. Stitcher.com Of course, SoundCloud, iTunes, and uh, Google Play. So different outlets for you to to listen to the podcast if you to share the podcast with your friends to let everybody know uh, what we do I also have my HR interviews as well that are also now on stitcher.com and, and google play et etc cetera, et cetera. so try to just different ways to share the information share some insights with you as many ways as possible so once again gentlemen thank you for your time doc thank you for your insight thank you for your time from a foreign soil reaching out f- to us for the podcast uh continue doing what you do over there we'll see you when you get back and will you be back in time to do a podcast in the states or will the next one uh, be from the island as well
1: uh the next one will be from the island but i'll be in bahamas next sunday so we'll be trying to set it up from the bahamas
0: okay so we'll try to do that make that happen that's a good deal so uh, and uh so if we're able to do that podcast next week, that'll be roughly, I think, two days or so before NBA Summer League begins. in I think Utah and Vegas, most of the games now, are now will now be played in Las Vegas. The Rockets are playing three games. The Rockets' Summer League team is playing three games in Las Vegas. So I'm not big in, into the Summer League stuff as I used to be when I was younger, but it is an opportunity for the, the youngsters, the young guys who, who are trying to make squads to show what they can do If not NBA and not G League, there's plenty of squads overseas and chances overseas that uh, you can continue and further your pro career. So we can touch on that in future podcasts. Going to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool and do more.